You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's recording! Welcome to On the Bench. I am Josh Newberg, and I've got Chris Nee and Brennan Sinone here with me. The team has the day off, but we do not. We are here on the bench uh, to discuss Florida State's second scrimmage of the preseason. The team hit the field yesterday around 7.30 p.m. They went for about two hours, maybe a little bit more. Um, We've been working the phones. We've been talking to sources. So I'll throw it to you first, Brendan. What are we hearing coming out of FSU's scrimmage last night? All right, so first things first, most important, uh, no big injuries coming out of the scrimmage. Uh, Maybe a couple of guys got dinged up, but nothing that sounds significant. So that's the first thing out of the way. You always want to be healthy coming out of the scrimmage, right? Uh, let's start with quarterbacks. I don't know how much to get into here with some of it. Um, so help me navigate through this, if you will, fellas. But, but let's say that Jordan Travis looked really sharp from what I understand. Uh, certainly at his best, improvising and, and moving around the pocket, which isn't a huge surprise. But that makes a few really nice throws downfield, from my understanding. And and FSU's coaches like what they saw from other quarterbacks. Chubba Purdy, Tate Rotomaker continue a nice couple-day stretch after – really struggling uh, in the first scrimmage. They get extensive reps with the ones this week, uh, something that Mike Norvell has talked about a couple times already. So quarterback play, uh, sound like it was pretty pretty good for the most part. Uh, let's see, DJ Williams is someone who I <clears throat> excuse me, want to shout out specifically because he had a really good practice on Saturday. I think he compounded that with a really nice one on Sunday, ran the ball uh, authoritatively, caught the ball well out of the backfield. So he's compounding nice days on top of each other. That's a big development to give FSU a nice complimentary piece to Jay Sean Corbin, Trey Sean Corbin. A little bit over the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks, um, you know, whether it was the shape that he came into camp at, uh, we heard he dropped a couple pounds. FSU was happy about that. And then, you know, I followed up. We both, if you guys go to Knowles 24 7, Brendan and I both wrote a little piece on what we're hearing coming out of, out of the second scrimmage. And um, I was told specifically that he had his best day as a seminal yesterday. Um, running downhill, running with some bursts, caught some nice screen passes, made some plays. So DJ Williams is definitely a standout from the scrimmage. One other DJ is – go ahead, Chris. I was going to say David Johnson, when I spoke to him just prior to the preseason, I asked about DJ. He spoke about how he was a little bit heavy in the spring and needed to get in better shape. Kenny Dillingham yesterday, post-practice, post-scrimmage, said he had dropped about 15 pounds and it made about a 15-pound difference. Kenny always got (laughs) jokes. Um, but yeah, no, DJ looks like a guy who's going to be a bit more like what they wanted him to be than what we saw in the spring, which wasn't a particularly in-shape guy who finished runs very well. We'll get into All the right, rest Brendan. of the scrimmage stuff, but the other DJ I want to bring up is DJ Lundy. He's someone at linebacker on the other side of the ball that continues to compile good days together as well. This has been about a week-long trend for him, similar as DJ Williams was kind of laying oh, the wood. What position as a- is Lundy at? Uh, Are they moving him around? I think he's either going to be one of the two inside linebacker spots, either the Mike or the Will. Fairly similar for the most part for how they're used. Uh, And I think they're still kind of mixing and matching him with the rest of the linebackers to try to figure out the right combination of those two primary inside guys. So uh, either way, he's going to be an inside run stuffer type. So he had a a really – DJ Williams had a couple authoritative runs, uh, laid the wood. Uh, The hit stick then was returned on the other side from DJ Lundy was pretty physical as well. So the only other storyline I think that it's important, I know we're going to go into more detail for all of this, is that 
they didn't go super deep with the defensive line uh, in terms of like not playing Jermaine Johnson, Kerry Thomas. They know what they have with those guys. Uh, so, so we were able to kind of get a feel for what FSU was doing with some of the reserve defensive ends. Marcus Cushney is a name that you wrote about, Josh. Someone I heard had a, had a sack and was pretty productive. George Wilson, freshman defensive end, Patrick Payton as well. Got to look for those guys and what they can do situationally. So FSU is kind of putting the, the puzzle pieces together, if you will, and figuring out what they have. Uh, now as they kind of turn the page and go into uh, what is the beginning of game prep for, for Notre Dame. Yeah. Let me talk about a couple things that I wrote about that stood out. Um, you mentioned Pat Payton. I was told that he had two sacks towards the end of the scrimmage and uh, he, he was getting some meaningful reps. Um, linebacker play needs to step up across the board still. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee had a great scrimmage. Good chance he locks down one of the starting corner spots. Kevin Knowles continues to get more experience and more consistent. Uh, he's battling for the starting nickel job. Might win it. Um, to go on what you said, uh, I was told Lloyd Willis. Yes, folks, Lloyd Willis had a couple good series at left tackle and could be starting to turn the corner from a project to somebody that could see some meaningful snaps this season. So, We'll see where that goes, but I am told that Lloyd Willis had a pretty good uh, day yesterday. Let me help Josh out here because I don't want another Jarrett Jackson situation where we turn him into the second coming or the media turns him into the I second coming. I said he coming. might turn the corner. I, I know, I know. I, I just want to – Like Mike. <laughs> I want to give some context to your comments. Lloyd Willis this year is not going to help him a whole lot. They may hope he will, but he's not going to. The hope is that he's showing progress and becoming a player that can develop yes. into something year three, year four – which is the next two years down the road for him. Um, you know, Jared Jackson got talked up after like the fourth or fifth practice. Then he, the day after he actually went out from a practice because I think the heat got better of him. And, you know, Adam Fuller last night kind of took everybody's dreams of Jared Jackson being some X factor and said, you know, he's got a ways to go. Like, let's pace ourselves here. That he is capable. He's big. He's athletic, stuff like that. I just, I always think there needs to be additional context on them because sometimes individual players become their own little storyline and it's not right reality of the situation and to add even more context to that i think one of the reasons lloyd willis was even getting those snaps is because some of the frontline guys were maybe getting some load management or some time off so i think just in general this was more so what the scrimmage was about was to get some reps for some of the guys that might not be you know that top tier frontline starter maybe even the third or fourth. I think this was more so to see what FSU has at their third or fourth string positions, um, especially on the offensive and defensive lines, because we know some of the front line uh, starters were not in action there. Let me see what else I had. Anything else that um, – I think you gave Dennis Briggs some love. Or, yeah. Or, I gave or, Dennis Briggs some love, definitely. Heard that he had a sack and is looking really good. Still, They'd like him to add a little bit more weight, but um, they like his development. Um Andrew Parchment caught a touchdown on a slant, and I believe Seminoles.com has since put out a photo of that. Yes, and touchdown. it was a Jordan Travis pass. Okay. I wasn't told who threw it, but um, Kentron Poitier also had a touchdown. It came off a tip ball that he snatched out of the air. Uh, he had an up-and-down day, I was told. Cam McDonald had an impressive 35-yard catch down the middle of the field that was contested. A nice play from him. And uh, just to add the final thing to add to what Brendan said, I was told that Jordan Travis also is looking better as a passer. Um, 
I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but he was at his best when the play broke down and he was able to get out of the pocket and make things happen. I think ideally they want to keep Jordan in the pocket a little bit more, but I just, I don't know if that's his style ultimately. So um, second scrimmage wraps up. They have the day off today. Um, what else are we looking at practice-wise well, this week? Now they kind of pivot and turn towards Notre Dame prep. I mean, it's still essentially not a week of preseason before truly game week, but they're going to start focusing more and more on Notre Dame when they hit the field on Tuesday. Mike Norvell, Inside Seminole Football, comes back tonight. That will be a weekly thing on Monday evenings, ABC Local. I think it's also on the radio affiliates for FSU football. Uh, he'll talk about an hour, give some insight on FSU football. That generally – kind of falls in line with a lot of comments he's made in recent days leading up to that Monday show. So it's usually not earth-shattering, but still it's another place for people to get some FSU content if they so choose. Um, you know, as far as the scrimmage and some of the stuff Josh and Brendan have mentioned, uh, with Parchment, you know, Kenny Dillingham, I believe it was, might have been Mike Norvell, I forget for sure which one, said he was a little up and down on the day. I think he had a drop early prior to the touchdown reception, came back, had a reception, that was pleasing. Kentron, who's had a fairly good preseason, pretty consistent, um, someone I praised after the most recent Saturday practice, I believe. He kind of was up and down on the day. He had a ball that got bobbled. I think it actually led to the Shaheen Brown interception. That was the one takeaway in yesterday's practice. wasn't even really a bad quarterback decision, just a ball that didn't get controlled and went to the wrong side of the ball. Um, you know, Kentron's one of those guys. We need to see that consistent consistency. That, that's the key to him becoming a bigger piece for this offense. I like how we yeah. wrote about him being one of the most consistent players of the preseason. But he, he had that. I know, and then and then that's still the the thing for him is bad, is compounding. Bad out. days are still going to happen with young guys who are still trying to break through. That that's the thing we got to keep in mind with this team. There are some depth pieces that have emerged in this preseason that are positive signs. Yeah, you know, I, I think you know Kushney's one of those. He's a guy that's definitely going to help take reps off of those top two DNs. Uh, Kentron's an important piece because they need receivers to emerge. He's Andrew a depth Parchment. piece. At, at his best, I think he's a depth piece to me, though, right? Like Kentron. you're talking about Kentron. Certainly yeah. this this season for sure. Yeah, I, sure I think the hope is that your top four receivers consist of Keyshawn Houghton, Pokey Wilson, because they're veterans, Better. consistent, been good in the preseason. Parchment, because he's very capable. Um, he can turn in some highlights. The issue with him is he's been ultra up and down during the preseason. At times, he hasn't been able to go full go, it seems like. so. And he's a guy who's still learning, trial by fire, all those things that come with being a late transfer out of an up program. And then Malik McClain's probably your next hope because talent-wise, he may be the best guy of the mm -hmm. bunch from just a pure athletic, big-body standpoint. They need somebody that can win one-on-ones. I've had the conversation many a time after practices, during practices, when we've seen a good day from a Keyshawn or a Pokey, that it would be ultra beneficial to those two guys if they are essentially the number three type receiver for FSU this year. I've been saying that, that the whole somebody time. takes the load off them and they're allowed to kind of go against a lesser defensive back and have a better opportunity. And that's where it's so important for somebody to emerge. There's way too many guys that kind of are lumped together in that room. And there's been positives in that room. Tron's been better. Darian Williamson's a guy who's somewhat come to life. Disappointingly, we haven't seen Brian Robinson. He's a guy who had a good spring game, if I recall. I think he had like three catches, 25 yards, and a touchdown, if I remember correctly. You know, it's important for them to find a few more pieces that Jordan help. Jordan Young still hasn't really yeah. come alive. It, well, two weeks ago, Jordan Young didn't do a whole lot. And Jackson, when he's walking around, I think he was in a boot, if I recall correctly, not doing a whole lot. This week, he kind of comes back. We see him. He has a few flashes, some nice plays. Nice play along the sideline and maybe Wednesday or Thursday's practice. 
but it just isn't always there. You, right. you need to he see the next week. Like he's a top four guy for, for this team no. this season. But he does flash that athleticism once in a while. That makes you think, man, he could do something here and there. But, yeah, it's not near consistent enough. And that's sort of a theme with that group. I feel better about that group than I did going into camp. Right. But I'm not sitting here super confident that that group's very good either. Okay. Um, moving on from the scrimmage, I want to – well, actually, let's not move on from the scrimmage real quick. I want to address something that we kind of danced around, and that's when we keep saying FSU, FSU held out their frontline starters. So I think if you could read between the lines of who we mentioned and who we didn't mention, you could probably figure out um, which frontline starters did not participate. I've done some digging. Brendan's done some digging. And I've learned that this is because FSU feels that these guys are the true starters. You know, they, they feel good about where they sit on the depth chart and they want to make sure they're at full health moving into the first game of the season. It's not an ideal situation, of course. You got position battles all over, but some of the transfers have played big games and already have that experience. So making sure they're healthy is kind of the most important thing right now. Um, I'm not overly concerned about the quarterback situation. I think we see them both healthy and participating in the first game. Um, Just based off the people I've talked to, I know there's a lot of concern over Mackenzie Milton and Jordan Travis and their status and what's happening or what's not happening. Um, At this point, we're just beyond the midway point. Do you guys have any reason – to truly be concerned that Mackenzie Milton won't be ready by the start of the season. No, he's played a ton of football. Yeah. I believe he'll be ready by the start of the season. I think that's the consistent messaging that we're getting uh, from behind the scenes. People want to live and die on whether he's practicing every day or not. And we don't want to get into the specifics on counting the amount of days that that he is practicing or, or whatnot, but FSU knows what he's done. He started 33 games in his college career has played on the big stage a lot. Mike Norvell knows what he is, knows what he's about. It's more important to have him ready to go at the start of the season than get a couple extra practices in there is how I view it, and I think it's how FSU views it. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see with McKenzie, I guess, you know, the load management now as they start turning to, to game week, but um, no, I'm not right. overly concerned about that right now. It is a little particular. like it, it, This isn't how we normally see it, but this isn't a normal type of player either uh, with his injury and whatnot. So right now everything is – we're here in full go. He's ready for September 5th. I think it was Friday, Mike Norvell said, every player we entered the preseason with who we expected to have, we expect to have at this point for kickoff. So from a health standpoint, yes, there are guys that aren't there every day. There's reasons for all of that. Workload management, COVID protocols, so on and so forth. Not getting into it. But I think they believe that when September 5th rolls around, they've positioned themselves as things stand right now, a little less than two weeks out to be good to go, to have an abundant roster of talent at their disposal to go out there with, to have depth. All right. Now we can move on past the scrimmage. And like Chris said, we are under two weeks to go. If you're listening to this podcast on a Monday, two weeks from today, you will be waking up, hopefully really, really freaking happy over (laughs) FSU's win over Notre Dame. But you'll probably wake up hungover no matter what. Um, we're going to now that we're less than two weeks away, let's go position by position. We already covered wide receiver. I feel like in depth, we've already covered quarterback in depth. So let's start at the running pack position and let's just talk about what we've learned 
you know, what do we think this position is after two full weeks of camp or two plus full weeks of camp? So, Brendan, if you want to kick it off uh, with the running back position, we'll just go position by position from here. All right. So running back, I'll start off with them. My general view of that position group is good group, maybe not explosive, dynamic. I don't think it's a great group, but I think it's a a really solid one. It starts with Jay Sean Corbin, and he kind of personifies that entire running back group, right? Because he is so so solid. He doesn't do anything super flashy. He finishes, runs well. Like he did that again in the scrimmage on Sunday, but that's something he's been doing consistently throughout the duration of camp. Catches the ball well out of the backfield. Not a home run threat. I don't think that's going to be part of his arsenal while he's at FSU. He's about like 220 pounds at six foot. So he is a more physically, you know, between the tackle built kind of guy. DJ Williams emergence the last couple of days is certainly worth noting. We documented that earlier at the beginning of the podcast. I think that's really exciting news if you're FSU because I think you needed one or two more pieces around Jay Sean Corbin to truly feel good about. Trayshawn Ward consistently flashes. He's more of a splash guy, a big play, a speedy type of, type of runner. I don't know if he's an every-down type of running back, though, like Jay Sean Corbin or potentially. What's your guess on touches for a guy like a Trayshawn Trey Ward? Do you put Deontay I, Sheffield and him in the same in the same bucket? I do not. I think Deontay Sheffield, I mean, he's actually had a nice – couple days here too but more of a specialist is like pass blocker and maybe short yardage or red zone type of type of guy uh but not not in every down type of back i, mean, I think Treshawn ward has that potential i don't know if deontay sheffield does but but more so i think with Treshawn ward i think his usage is going to vary from game to game from week to week i could i could see you see him having 10 touches in mm-hmm. one game and then maybe having like two or three in another it's just gonna depend on what they're trying to do a lot of that too josh is contingent on name i haven't brought up yet lawrence toa philly He's someone they're going to be moving all over the place. He's going to probably fill that Tony Pollard role for, for FSU, what Tony Pollard was at Memphis and, and kind of this jack-of-all-trades type of player. And depending on like how much they're using him and where they're using him, I think that's going to really kind of depend on, on the usage for some of the other running backs like Treshawn Ward and DJ Williams. Sean Corbin is the constant. The wild card to me is Lawrence Philly, And I think mm-hmm. you're just hoping those other two guys kind of give you a, a, a amount of four different pieces to kind of use uh, from week to week. Yeah, Toe Philly defines the ceiling for that bunch. They're going to be as good as he can be. Because Corbin, we know what he is. He's very consistent. He's going to be productive. He certainly looks healthier than he did a year ago. The one other guy that's sort of a running back wide receiver type, Corey Wren, he's got to catch it better. He's a big play threat. They want to use him vertically at times. He's got to catch it better. Real quick on Corey Wren, I will say he has a put better – last week together than in the first week first week he didn't yeah. really struggle catching the ball uh was it saturday he he made a few splash plays and you got to see that speed and and really what mm-hmm. it can do but yeah still a work in progress for him jakai douglas he flashes more receiver than running back. yeah more receiver than running back at this point more of a slot kind of gadgety type guy he makes like a few practice like every few practices he makes a couple of really impressive plays downfield where that speed shows up and then he kind of goes away for a practice or two and still not really consistent catching the ball so I think he, he'll he'll play. He'll be integrated into the game plan. I just I don't know if we see him a ton consistently until he's practicing more consistently yet. Okay, uh, Chris, if you want to add anything to the running backs, feel free. But if not, let's. No, I feel we covered that well. In tight end, I'll I'll launch off on tight end. Um, they're going to be as good as Cam McDonald wants to be from a receiving standpoint. Mm-hmm. Cam's been a little not up and down so much, but workload management type of thing where there's been practices. We just haven't seen him take a whole lot of reps. So it's kind of tough to gauge yeah. that stuff. He had that spectacular catch in Jacksonville down the middle. He had a catch yesterday. That was pretty big. So he shows those flashes. 
we've always thought Cam had a lot of talent. It's a matter of now the production matching what we believe the talent to be. Um, Jordan Willis, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah. Jordan had Wilson. A, thank you. Jordan Wilson had a moment there. Uh, <laughs> more blocker than receiver. He's a bit of a heavy-footed guy working down the field, but he is going to help him blocking. I think he's certainly going to help him run blocking. Uh, Marcus Douglas is a guy that's kind of well, had. Hold on. I want to talk more about Jordan Wilson. Like, because he was out all last year, so we don't know yeah. how FSU is going to use him. How often do you think we'll see Jordan Wilson on the field? Do you think it's only in short yardage situations, or is he going to be more of a staple on the field than we think? I think he's going to be more of a staple. I think he's going to take a lot of what you saw Preston Daniel try to do last year, which is, you know, helping as a pass blocker when they're going a little more max protection, helping as a run blocker of helping to free up the edge and. Uh, you know, spring a guy to the outside. I don't think we're going to see him work down the field a whole lot. I think they'll do it here and there, sprinkle it in, try to surprise a team once in a while, maybe have him chip block, come off and go type thing. But I don't expect him to be a heavy receiving threat personally. Okay. Um, Moving move over to the offensive line. Well, a couple other tight ends worth mentioning. Marcus and Douglas, kind of similar to DJ Williams. He's cut, I think, about 20-some-odd pounds. He was up to about 290. I think at his heaviest, he's way down from that now. It's made a market markedly noticeable difference uh, this past um, week. He, um, Marcus noticeable. Difference. Oh God, shut up, Snow. This past week, he uh, turned in the best week of practice he's ever had here, without a shadow of a doubt. He actually had multiple nice plays that we saw, nice connections. Um, and then Jackson West is a guy who, yes, I am the president of the fan club. I'll admit that. But he finishes blocks as good as any tight end on this team. He he definitely aggravates the living hell out of opposing defenders who he gets matched up to as blocking. Um, and he is a capable receiver down the field. So I think he has some value for them, too. I think I think that's kind of the part of the group. I think Douglas still has to show up more consistently. But that was a very good trend of the past week of a guy who – you know, I was not including in my expectations to do anything this year. This past week, he made me reconsider that notion. All right. Um, who wants to tell us how great the offensive line is going to be this year? I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. All right. So I think the big emergence or the big storyline this past week was Devontae Love-Taylor entering the mix. He's someone they were bringing along slowly after a late season injury this past year. And we got to see him more and more uh, throughout this past week, which is something Mike Norvell had indicated was going to happen. They're going to keep increasing his workload. So having him back in the fold is going to be absolutely huge for FSU. He was number three on our 40 most important player list for a reason. He can play pretty much any position on the offensive line. line. They even have him practice snapping some uh, at some point this offseason. I don't know if that's going to happen a ton this year. But he's someone that they want to learn like every single position. He allows you to get your – quote-unquote best five on the field because he can plug and play in so many different spots. Uh, my understanding was, uh, I don't think we put this in the in the scoop, uh, Josh, but that, that Devontae Love-Taylor actually got work with the the ones uh, during the scrimmage on Sunday, and that would be... You can see him in the background of the Andrew Parchment touchdown reception, actually. All right, so that's not anything that I'm not... That's out of the bag, Brendan. Uh, it's there. Uh, that's encouraging because... He's been working his way towards that, and I'll leave it at that. Right. So so having him in the mix is going to be helpful. Robert Scott is someone that Mike Norvell just gushed all over yesterday, and it hasn't been the only time. And like he's, he's really spoken highly of Robert Scott. They love him. They love his demeanor, his personality. He's at left tackle currently. He's been there for the majority of the preseason. I think he's there to stay, fellas, uh, and I think they like what they have in him. Uh, Chris, I'll let you take the, the interior offensive lineman if you'd like. 
Well, DLT could certainly end up on the interior. Dylan Gibbons, Dante Lucas, two guys that are competing at a high level with one another. We'll credit Dante Lucas. I think I said it on Saturday. He had stacked several good practices on top of each other, which was a very positive sign. Uh, definitely showing that. I mean, he gets some tough loving from Alex Atkins. I don't think that's any grand secret. And, you know, he needs it. He's the kind of personality that I think needs it. I think it's starting to take better. You know, I, I see there's – I've noticed less and less instances as the preseason worn on uh, of him when he messes up kind of just going, you know, straight down into a bucket. It's like next play, you race it, move on. And that's a credit also to guys around him. There was an example early in the preseason where he had a bad moment. Darius Washington tried to calm him down. I think it helps that he knows he has guys to the left and the right of him who are dependable. Maurice Smith is probably – the guy at center, I think that's a pretty clear thing that's been true all year. Mainly in there, there's been too many bad snaps in the preseason. Maurice has had some of them. He's not been the biggest culprit. It more falls off a cliff after him. Some of that is, you know, they're mixing, I think Alex Atkins said, six guys at center. So there are some guys working there that aren't going to play. So, uh, but yeah, Maurice, Dante, Dylan, those are three interior guys. Obviously, hope you get Schrader back later in the year. Who else have we seen on the interior? I know I'm definitely forgetting one that we've seen a good bit other than Devontae Love Taylor. Babyon Johnson is someone who's doing some workload management stuff, but he'll yeah, he'll be a key rotational center, piece interior. Center guard type. He can yeah. play both. I think they intend to use Herring. him both. Zane Herring has, yeah, Zane, has, Zane Herring has. And Herring Herring's a guy who they've kind of pushed into the fire to some degree. He he's done first team stuff. I think they've in fact spoken about him doing first team stuff. Don't think he's ready for prime time yet. But it's good to see him getting that. I do think he's a guy that shows the signs of someone who's coming off of a surgery that probably limited his ability to lift weights and some of that mm-hmm. during the interim from when he had surgery in preparation for the season. And there's some of that that he's going to need to come back from. It feels kind of like a Darius Washington situation in that regard with he needs that good full offseason to start pushing towards his actual potential. But I think it's been positive for Zane to get a lot of those reps. And as guys have had workload management, and they've also just rotated and cross-trained, he's had opportunities. Okay. Let's head on to the defensive side of the ball. That covered the offense, right? I think we're good. I don't think we left out a position. Um, I've talked a lot about the defensive line being the strength of the team. Obviously, uh, this morning we hit on Dennis Briggs, who's had a great camp, um, Keir Thomas, who may or may not have participated in the scrimmage. Regardless, though, he's had a great camp. Um, The defensive line, the frontline starters are coming together. Jermaine Johnson brings a pass rushing uh, need that Florida State has missed dearly since the departure of Brian Burns. Hopefully he can, you know, live up to some of the hype that he brings in. Brendan, what are you seeing up front on the defensive line? Who gets you excited? What's going on heading into uh, the second half of fall camp? Yeah, all the guys you mentioned – I think the starting four on the defensive line and maybe the top backup for for each position group, defensive tackle and edge rusher, uh, are going to be pretty pretty impressive for FSU this year. And it does come back to, and I think we talked about this on previous podcasts, is it the offensive line or that's not performing well? Is it the defensive line dominating? I don't know. I I don't know. I, we'll I don't know. We, we, we'll, it's so hard to judge it in a vacuum sometimes. I know people the answer want is to give yes. you this. I know people want us to give you a definitive answer. We don't have a definitive answer. We will know very much so more in two weeks. It may be both. I don't know. But I will say from what we can see, what we do have access to, what we can judge it by right now, Jermaine Johnson is that dude off the edge. All right. He is long. He is athletic. He has a high motor. 
uh, defends well as a, as an edge defender as well, not just a pure pass rusher. I think he will be very solid for them this year. He might be the best player they have on the roster to, in total. Uh, Kier Thomas, though, we had him, I think, at 11 on our most important list going into the year. I'd contend like top five is is reasonable for him just because he can do so. Based on what we're hearing. Right, exactly. And, I mean, what we're hearing from how he's performing, uh, from his attitude, he was described to me the other day as like an alpha dog of that group. Somebody like, told me he's a Devontae Love Taylor of the defense. I mean, and Love Taylor, if you listen to Norvell talk about Love Taylor or Alex Atkins, they rave about how he is a calming, team-centric influence. I've heard that about care, especially with the defense. Think about what happened to the defense last year and how much they needed just that personality to emerge. I mean, we're talking about Keir Thomas is going into year six of his college career, so he is a grown Mm -hmm. man at this point. Uh, And much like Devontae Love-Taylor, not just with the maturity aspect, but like the versatility aspect too, the ability to play multiple spots and to really allow FSU to use a full arsenal of defenders in the front seven. He's kind of the the linchpin of of that hope to be versatile and and to move to different fronts and, and whatnot. So uh, those two guys I really like. Who steps up behind them? I think that is kind of the question right now at, at a rusher. Marcus Cushney is the first name I throw out, but Chris, I think I think Quayshon Fuller has had a really good preseason. It's been pretty consistent. I know we got burned by that last year with him. Uh, I'm willing to buy in a little Quayshon Fuller stock right now. It's at like a. It's like low clove levels, Josh. It's at low clove levels. Like now's the time to buy. Week one, Quayshon was really good. Week two wasn't bad. It just wasn't as noticeable as week one. Right. Um, I do agree with that. I think McClendon and Fuller, one, because the workload necessity for them will be less is a positive. I think with a guy like Cushney, he helps alleviate some of that pressure because he is a dependable veteran of the college game who you know exactly what he is. He's a speed rush, edge rusher, and he's good at it. Um I think Peyton's going to fit in that mix a little bit, and he's just going to be a package guy here and there. I think he's sort of, if Cushney is not available or you want it on both sides and you have to go with the reserves, I think he gives that to you. I think he's similar skill set-wise to Cushney to some degree. George Wilson, um, too. They said they used him. In, yeah. And I, I know he's, he's so been, thin, though. He is, but they, uh, yes. And the only way he's probably going to contribute is in a situational role, which is what they used him at during the scrimmage yesterday, grain of salt, right, against who he was yeah. going with the offensive tackles and the depth there. He had like two sacks, I think. So just the saying, thing with like, Wilson is, something. I think if other people get their hands on him, it's kind of game over. He just doesn't have the build to handle that right just now. At this just point. don't let them. Just don't let them touch you then. Right, but be long, be athletic, be fast, and he can do those things. So maybe here and there, but I wouldn't be laying money on it right now, personally. Now, interior wise, can I gush some on Dennis? Briggs? Yeah, let's get over to the interior. Big Dennis boys, Briggs is go. damn good. Adam Fuller yesterday basically said he's the key cog of that interior. He also praised the heck out of Fabian Lovett, said he's by far in the best shape he's ever been in his time at FSU, which he is. He's been very good, better pad level, pad level, better consistency, just bringing it, been very, very good. I think they feel extremely good about what Briggs and Lovett give him as interior combo. Uh, Coop's obviously kind of the, the change up from those two. He's a bigger zero tech nose, big body over middle kind of body, and they're still very happy with him. The thing for them is finding the next guy. Malcolm Ray's had some flashes here and there. I don't know if he did much of anything in the scrimmage, but he had done some stuff during the week last week. Jared Jackson's a guy that we spoke about earlier. He had some flashes in the last two weeks, but he's also had a lot of moments of like, eh. And Josh yeah. Farmer's the young guy who we're kind of hoping maybe he can come through. Now, if that's one the of guy the... I've heard a lot about. Yeah. Um, not, I don't see, here's, the, here's what's hard to distinguish. Like, 
you guys have kind of hit on it too, like about Lloyd Willis and stuff. Like there's excitement when these guys step on campus because they're really good. Or sometimes there's like excitement because, oh, this guy's kind of far off, but he's not that far off. Do you think Josh mm-hmm. Farmer, the, the excitement comes from the fact that like he's ready to go now or the fact that like maybe in a year or two he'll, he'll be ready to go? I think he can help them now. I don't know if he can be a super dependable piece now, mm-hmm. but he can help them. He is, Physically, he is prepared to do it mentally. I know him a little bit, know how engaged he is to the game of football. I think he can help in that regard. You know, if you're plugging them in there and telling them just go full bore for the plays you're out there, just give it at your all, you know, leave nothing in the tank. We're only going to play this many snaps in a game. I think he can be super valuable in that regard. If he had to move up to that one, two, or three spot, no, I don't think he's ready mm-hmm. for that yet. But, yeah, I think Farmer's there. I think Farmer is a guy that's on the same level as Ray, who's been here for a couple years easily, because I think physically he's just ready to do it from the word go, while Ray's had to work to that point. More so, and then Jarrett Jackson is a big, strong body, but he's also he was in bad, bad shape when he got here, and he's had to work himself into better shape. And now it's about finding a consistency level of play out there, and that that's the key with him. He he's had flashes, and mm-hmm. he's a big, athletic guy. But like, it, it irked me when there was like the a little bit of like constant, like oh, Jarrett Jackson wrote no, Jarrett Jackson is a guy who he is the definition of flash but it's not near consistent enough where you can rely upon. There's a reason why these guys transfer. He was getting asked about like, like every day for like a week. It was, it was bizarre. It was strange. All right. Um, Moving on to the linebacker position. We know they need to get better, but Brandon, what's going on at linebacker? I think there's legitimate competition. Like we entered the preseason with one Emmett Rice, knowing he was going to work back in after a spring injury and, Mike Norvell wouldn't really put a timeline on it, but it sounded like there was someone who wasn't going to be ready, at least at the beginning of the year. So we went into the into preseason camp knowing that you know, Stephen Dix Jr. and Amari Gaynor were probably going to be the first two guys up. I have to say, DJ Lundy and Kalen Deloach are legitimately pushing them. Yeah, Kalen we've Deloach heard a lot cut, about those guys. Right, and, and you know, here we are. We're week two of preseason camp. I know that Deloach hype was similar last year as well kind of like with Quayshon Fuller so if you want to be skeptical of it I I don't blame you because because we've been burned before I'm not I'm just I'm trying to buy in like I want to buy in this This is Kool-Aid this is Kool-Aid when do you think we see Emmett Rice I don't know he does conditioning stuff he's consistently out there he's engaged he's involved he's definitely taking mental reps it's just we haven't seen any physical contact yet. And I, Love Taylor was that way a week ago, and look at where we are now with him. Yeah. So I don't know. I was going to – mentally, I'm thinking like a month into the season seems reasonable uh, based on the timing I'll of his injury under. and where he is. But it may very well be the under. Yeah, it may very well be. I I think you set yourself up, say, hey, it's going to be a couple weeks. If it's any earlier than that into the season, that's gravy at that point. Um, and it depends it's how functional he is too. It is. It's hard to tell with this team because so many of the veterans are getting time off. So he is a veteran who's coming back from a serious injury. So it makes sense that they would give him time mm-hmm. off. And it's hard to tell. It's hard yeah. to tell. But I, Most I do stuff with him is him... straight line right yeah. now. So we haven't really seen him plant and cut, which is going to be a key piece of the return for him. I uh, think we see him in the first quarter of the season. Could be game one, could be yeah. game two. Could, you know, but one. I think the first quarter of the season we, we see him. I think that's fair. Yeah. Guess. Yeah, I think the first I'll, four games or so is, is reasonable. I'll add on the linebackers. I feel real good about where Lundy is. I'm truthfully a little concerned about where Dix is. Um, Deloach, it is hype season with him, and it was a year ago too. 
Um, but he's been good. He's been consistent. He's, he got a great deal of praise this week, both from his position coach and the defensive coordinator for what he's been this preseason. You can look at Fuller's quote from post scrimmage yesterday. Speaks very highly of Deloach. Mm-hmm. Deloach is also important as heck for them at that position because they need a guy who is athletic, can cover to some degree, gives them some protection in the middle of the field, something they so severely lack last year. I still don't feel great about the linebacker group as a whole. Right. Um, yeah. I, I need I need to see that group in a game or two because there's still concerns about guys just not having the athletic tool bag to, you know, make up for some of the insuffic- insufficient issues right. they had last year as a group. Yeah, it's Dix one thing. Looks great, right? Dix looks great. Physically put together? Oh, no doubt. He Steven Dix busts his butt. He works very hard. He's a good teammate. He's a good leader. He does all that stuff really well. The problem with Steven Dix is that you need him to be more effective at covering the pass, and he cannot mm-hmm. miss when it comes to plugging a run hole. So, you know, if he's missing on plugging a run hole, that's a major uh, – because, like, you know there's already concern with him as a pass coverage linebacker type. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. Let's move it all on over to the defensive back group. <laughs> I think Sanone wanted to chime in there. He, it's he's, fine. He's move a little on. flustered. Uh, uh, you're skipping. He wants to I didn't yeah, that's fine. I was skipping. It was maybe on it was my end. Something oh, was skipping. <laughs> All right. What'd you want to add to the linebacker group before? We I don't on? know anymore. Oh, I was just going to say, it's tough to tell like whether it, you know, we're hearing good things about DJ Lundy as noted earlier. Uh, Steven Dix Jr. I think is left a little bit to be desired based on the, the hype he was getting in the off season. Mm-hmm. Right now it's tough to tell like who's going like to be the guy, like whether it's DJ Lundy is, is emerging or whether Steven Dix Jr. isn't quite living up to, to where his preseason hype was. So I think those guys are going to push each other. It'll be interesting to see kind of what, what shakes out there at linebacker. Chris, I gave that a confidence rating, that position group a confidence rating of a three in our preseason previews. So like 30th percentile of, of power five programs. It's turning a I, bit more to the middle. Okay. All right. Three out of five, opinion. three out of ten. What are we, three out of ten. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give him a four at this point. Maybe Whoa, four. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself with him. One interesting note with them, Adam Fuller yesterday was talking about how they're they're figuring out one linebacker group, two linebacker group, three linebacker group in the sense of having one backer, two backer, or three backers on the field at the same time. Some of that comes down to playing more nickel, using DBs, having some versatile type defensive backs, Brendan Gant, uh, Jamie Robinson come to mind, that can also sort of do some things as a linebacker type, especially in passing down situation. All right. Take us to the defensive back group, Brendan. All right. So defensive backs. I know we've backs, talked a lot about them already yeah. this spring. But. All right. So for the defensive backs, I think there's a couple things at play here. When we looked at what they did last year, the depth was so diluted by injuries and unavailability and guys opting out, whatever the reason is. Like there were a lot of reasons for the defensive backfield and the secondary playing poorly. It was one of the worst pass defenses in the country. That's obviously what the front the defense is not doing and what the back of the defense is not doing, but they focused heavily on getting a lot of new faces and, and new bodies and depth into the, the secondary this off season, uh, three transfers, four true freshmen. So seven new bodies into addition to what they were bringing back. Miko Dotson being healthier, Renardo green being healthier adds depth to the, to the secondary as well. So, I say all this to just acknowledge the secondary. I don't know if it's going to be a great group. I don't even know if it's going to be a very good one. 
think it's gonna be a rock solid one though. I think it's gonna be adequate. Which like, wait, wait, wait. What? You can't what? be rock solid and still not be very good. Yes, we're all can. hurt. Let's just be honest. We're all hurt. We're all in what a do you tough think place rock solid because means? of recent season. To me, okay. To me, rock solid means dependable. Number yeah, one, I think be overall dependable. dependable. But if you're saying they're not very good, then that means they're not dependable. I wouldn't go with not very good. I don't mean it like they're Based bad. I just mean I don't think I don't think they're I don't think it's going to be an upper echelon group. I'm trying to not gas them up. I so have been me, really I have been really means... impressed with the secondary this preseason, and I'm trying to give myself a little. I'm trying to not not hype up the fan base too much because they've been really really good. Here's what I know on the secondary. I trust Travis J, but he's going to draw a few too many flags because he's ultra aggressive. Jarvis Brownlee knows what he's doing. We know when Jerry and Jones gets back, he's going to be in that mix too. Same with Miko Dodson when he's able to be a full go type of guy. He's a dependable veteran, someone we know they like based on last year's mm-hmm. returns. So that's on the corners. Kevin Knowles fits into that too. He's also doing some nickel. They like moving Kevin around. He's a young guy. He can take it mentally. He's super competitive. And once in a while, he gets his cake and ice cream because he'll pick you off. So, you know, you got those, what, five or six basically corner types. Then safeties, you got some of what, Dent, McClellan, uh, trying to think who else back there, Brendan Gant, Jamie Robinson. We talked about Gant and Robinson, how they're versatile types. They could do some linebacker type stuff. Sidney Williams. Defensive back stuff. Sidney Williams, who will headhunt. Jadarius Green McKnight, who's definitely a depth piece, but may be able to get in there once in a while. And I think certainly can help him on special teams this year. Those are some of the other safety types. Dent's had an excellent preseason. It's so supremely difficult to buy in on him because of the last two years and what it's been on the field with him. But he has had an excellent preseason. He was one of the 15 guys that uh, Sinone wrote about here recently. He's been super consistent. You know, (laughs) I'm not gassing him up, buddy. Um, They've got a lot of pieces. They want to do a lot of different things. They feel like they have guys that fit some of those different things they're going to do. But at the end of the day, are you good at the base stuff? Are you good at the simple line them up one-on-one? Can you win it? I think they are. Um, you know, Brownlee is a guy who, for every bit of athleticism, that concerns me a little bit with him as an island corner. His competitiveness and the knowledge of what he can and cannot do that he has makes up for that. Travis J is super athletic. And, you know, my main concern with him is one too many hankies getting thrown on him. So those are two island guys I feel pretty good about that. We've seen a lot out there working opposite of each other and certainly having a comfort with working with one another. And then the safety group with Dent kind of emerging as he has, it makes you feel a lot better because you've got a lot of other pieces moved to those two, three other spots you're going to use at any given time. You feel pretty good about it. And depth is so much better. They're not going to have a game this year where they only have three corners at their disposal in a game, right. which was a situation they ran into last year. Well, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel better about the defensive back group. And the other half of the equation is if you have a pass rush, that group's going to naturally look better. So, yeah. But I, I'm so hesitant with this team defensively to believe in stuff until I see it against somebody else. Above average is what I was trying to get to, guys. Above <laughs> average would be rock solid in my estimation. Okay. <laughs> Good to know your scale of, of uh, competence. All right. Anything else with uh, the team? Um, well, why don't we hit on uh, uh, special teams real quick? We've watched hundreds of hours of special teams work this yeah. preseason, it feels So like. we shouldn't waste it. No, no, no. They they work their backsides off on special teams. Master Mono has been really good, um, very consistent throughout preseason, the big positive. 
Uh, definitely looks settled and comfortable, which is something John Papuchas has referenced multiple times with him. The kicking competition, it sounds like they feel confident in one over the other. Truthfully, both have been pretty good in the preseason. We've seen them consistently make kicks. Um, I don't really have a prediction on which way they go there. You know, I, I presume feel like it's going to be Fitzgerald. I don't know. I, 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 I'm legitimately not, I'm not sure. That's like a, I'm just feeling. I, I don't know if there's something in particular beyond making the kick that they look for from their kickers that makes one better than anything that. else. Besides I, I think that. I think that might be the most important thing. Well, it certainly is, but I don't know if it's you know consistent height on the kick or the ability to hit it from you know each hash equally well, things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a kicking expert. It's okay. never want to be. Um, return game is one of those things that Tell because of rules, be. they can't go 100% in the preseason in the sense of flying and trying to kill each other. So it's a lot of segmentation, figuring it out, kind of putting the puzzle together. They have a lot of options back there to return. They feel pretty good about the ones they have. Long snappers a competition, but I think they feel equally good about both of them. And uh, Papucha said yesterday that they may truthfully use both. It's Rosenberry and Garrett Murray. James Rosenberry and Garrett Murray are your two long snappers. So I think they feel pretty good about what they have as a special teams team. I think they also believe that's an area that can actually be a strength for them. Oh, and really? It's on, yes. Yes. I, well, Coaching I staff at the, FSU that sees the return game as a strength. Well, this isn't Alonzo Hampton special teams here. Oh, okay? sideswipe. They, they weren't awful at special teams last year. I don't think it was as much of a strength as they hoped it would have been. Uh, they were pretty good. Um, they weren't great with kicking, which – Yeah, limited missing some of kicks was kind of yeah. a downer. And, and then they just had a lot of injuries that limited some of their talent at returning. But, like, the coverage units were actually pretty and great last year for them. Re- return-wise last year, they were close on a couple, two to three. And I, mm-hmm. I think the hope this year is you break through there and you get some free points. Mm-hmm. Um but, yes, they, they do have optimism. They can be good in that regard. They certainly dedicate a heck of a lot of practice time towards it, which I'm not knocking. They just do. Okay. Um, let's move on then. Let's talk some recruiting. I don't know if we necessarily have any recruiting updates to talk about because the last time we potted, we did talk about the IMG American Heritage game that featured a ton of FSU commitments and targets. Um, I think the only one we didn't talk about Travis Hunter's performance, did we? No, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about uh, all day Dre having a big game for Vero Beach, which was actually his first game with Vero Beach, 2023 wide receiver commitment. Um, no, I mean, it was a good Rodney Hill. I mentioned Rodney Hill had a couple big plays. But, yeah. You know. So Travis Hunter just went crazy on Saturday in the Corky Kell Classic. Um, he is now the number one overall prospect in the 22 class. Ready for this stat line. He caught 13 passes for 232 yards and two touchdowns. He threw a 28 yard touchdown pass on defense. He got an interception and a tackle for loss um, and basically was the anchor of a defense that had a second half uh, shutout in a 36 to 10 beatdown of Brookwood. So Travis Hunter getting getting things started the way the number one player in the country should. He's a freak. Did you guys see any of the highlights from that? Yeah, I was watching some of it. I, I love the Corky Kell. It's a big tournament to start. It's not a tournament, but group of games to start the season up in Georgia, and they always do a good job putting it on. Um, yeah, Travis is it's freaky how talented he is. Uh, would, would Travis Hunter be the number one wide receiver in the country if he was ranked as a wide receiver? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be the nuts. number one wide receiver on FSU's roster today as a 
senior in high school. Yeah. It's, it's getting harder. It's, 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 I know they're going to use him in both spots when he gets here, right? But it's getting harder and harder to like imagine that he's not playing wide receiver more than like ten percent of the time, which is initially what I thought. Like I just, yeah. Especially like if you feel good about what you have with younger guys in the secondary and the wide receivers, still like you still have to add more pieces to that group. Like I just, he's just so damn. Well, good. I don't know if this. I don't think this factors in the decision at all. But you know, number one wide receiver Brandon Innes selected Oklahoma. So that's, you know, a guy that FSU has put in a lot of effort towards um, receiving receivers are just hard to come by elite wide receivers say what you want about what Florida state is and has done. But over the last five or six years, Florida state has not landed any elite type wide receivers and it, and it, and it shows on the field. I mean, you see the wide receiver play for FSU. So do you think that um, Florida state should play him primarily at wide receiver, Chris? No, no, I, I, no. I'm looking, I, I tweeted I'm looking this out yesterday. Hold on. I, here's and the reason I asked this is because I tweeted this out yesterday, but do you know the last five-star wide Not, receiver to sign? I saw that. 2014 was it or 15? Ermon was 14, right? Ermon 15 was, was Campbell. 14 and George yeah. Campbell signed with Florida State in 2015. That is the last in-state five-star wide receiver to sign with a big three program, Florida, Florida well, State. That, that was – Jeff Scott and uh, whoever did it for Nick Saban just terrorizing the state and taking them away consistently. Consistently. Um, some of the names that pop into my – Jerry Judy, uh, Calvin Ridley. Ridley. Well, Calvin Ridley was before 2015, I think. Or was he? Um, Deion they all Kane. run together after a while. Josh. I know. I know. They all run <laughs> together. But, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, – and it's primarily been two teams that do come in. Um, but now you see Brandon Innes commit to Oklahoma. So it's like, here we go again. Um, obviously Florida state's going to have to play better on the field to land guys like this, but it's just the trend. And at some point the trend has got to stop. Anything else in recruiting, Chris, anything else we want to cover? No, you know, with being two weeks out from Notre Dame, we're going to try to make sure we sure up that list as far as officials and unofficials. We'll put out an official list here in the coming days, probably in the next week or so officials. We have a list on the site. You can always look at official visits under football recruiting tab. The ones that are on there, we've confirmed as guys that are expected in, either from the player or a source, um, and in many cases, both. So, yeah, that's a good thing to check out. But that, you know, we've talked about it a lot over the summer. That that game's going to be loaded. They're putting a lot of weight on that game. Yeah. Okay. As always, you guys can find us on Knowles 24-7. Thank you to everybody that signed up last week. We had a huge influx of new members coming to Knowles 24-7. We appreciate you guys very much. Thank you for doing that. Um, I am firing up the Facebook Live once again. I jumped on for about 10 minutes today just to see if the old thing would still work. It does. Um, I think I'm going to do them on Mondays and Fridays and eventually move these over uh, to our YouTube page. But I think I'm, I'm going to find a way where I can stream it on everything at the same time. But we are going to be doing a lot more with our YouTube page. So if you Google Knowles 24-7 YouTube, it'll pop up. Give that a subscribe. We appreciate it. Um, the team is off today. We are not. Knowles 24-7 will have a ton of content up. Um, thank you for listening to On the Bench. We will be back soon.